Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Ron Granary, Professor of History at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College and podcast editor of The War Room. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Perhaps the most visible part of the U.S. Army War College is its residential program, in which nearly 400 students come to Carlisle Barracks for a 10-month program leading to a master's degree in strategic studies. But there is more to the War College than that. Nearly twice as many students enroll in the War College's distance education program, earning the same degree over two years while continuing with their day jobs. Here at A Better Peace, we consider it part of our mission to help members of the national security community understand the theory and practice of professional military education. And thus, we thought it was appropriate to introduce our audience to what we call here at the War College, DDE, the Department of Distance Education. This is the first in a planned series of discussions about DDE, its program, and its place within professional military education. For these conversations, we have gone directly to the top to the chair of the department, Colonel Heather Smigowski. Dr. Heather Smigowski is an Army strategist and serves as the chair for the Department of Distance Education at the U.S. Army War College. Prior to her current position, Colonel Smigowski was a political military planner and the executive assistant to the deputy director for Africa, Joint Staff Strategic Plans and Policy Directorate at the Pentagon. Herself, a 2020 graduate of the War College Distance Education Program, Colonel Smigowski received a Bachelor of Arts from Western Michigan University and holds a master's degree from the Clayton College of Natural Health at Regent University, and has also received her PhD in industrial organizational psychology from Capella University. We are delighted to have her with us today for this conversation. Welcome, Colonel Heather Schmigowski. Thank you very much, Ron. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So, so Heather, I want to start with the question that I'm sure will be on a lot of people's minds, and that is, why does the War College have a distance education program? So the distance education program has been around for several decades. Uh, in 1966, there was a Department of the Army board. Uh, it was dubbed the Haynes Board because Lieutenant General Haynes was in, in charge of it. And uh, he was in charge of reviewing Army officer education. And one of the key findings of that board was that we needed to have a complete extension course that paralleled the resident course here at the Army War College. And so part of the, the call to the Army War College at that time was to create this Department of Corresponding Studies. So mm -hmm. in 1967, they created the department. And in 1969, they implemented their first non-resident program. I see. And and uh, when did we make the change from uh, when we took the word correspondence out and used distance education, which I understand is the, the more common term in the ed biz these days? So in the late 90s, that was when we made that transition. Part of it was transitioning from what is considered the box of books mm -hmm. perspective <laughs> and being able to go online and actually be able to reach more students um, through a, a virtual aspect of it. 
And that I think is is an important thing, right? As we we've, we've moved beyond, right? Here's a reading list. Uh, we'll ex- expect you to take an exam at the end. That the current DDE program has both synchronous and asynchronous parts to it, correct? And how correct. does how does the program uh, balance those two aspects? So it's actually interesting. When I was digging into the correspondence piece, um, mm-hmm. we we have kept some of the same aspects. Part of it is that the courses are linear. So Mm -hmm. you move from one subject to the next. Another portion is that the students are responsible for doing a series of readings and then writing some sort of assignment, um, typically as an academic essay, uh, to demonstrate their knowledge of -hmm. the information. And so um, that was something that that was there since inception, and it has continued since then. We also have a two-year program, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, but even from the beginning, they realized there was a portion you needed to do in resident, that there's a, there's a piece that is just a lot more applicable when you can be in a room having conversations. And mm-hmm. so uh, since that inception, they've done uh, the first year online. During the first summer after their first year, they come in for two weeks for a resident mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. Then they do their second year online and then come in during the summer again for another two weeks for graduation. And so part of that is keeping the same type of concept, whether it was box of books, then it transitioned to a, a rather simple online method. And now we continue to find new tools and find new ways to actually expand how our students are learning, how they're taking in that information, and where they're going with it as they keep moving. Right. Well, and and I like the point, the, the fact you point out that both for the distance part you have synchronous and asynchronous, and there's also a residential part to it. So this is a it's it's a very uh, sort of complicated mix. But the idea is uh, that the the courses are they have they may have different names, but they they roughly parallel the the courses um, that the students take during the ten month residential course. Um, and yet, uh, you yourself are a graduate of this program and other programs. How does the way that the uh, the Army War College has handled distance education, how does it compare to your experiences in the civilian world? It's very similar. We use a lot of the same techniques. So uh, as we like to say that our distance students are getting the same quality education that they would be getting if they were in the resident program, it's just a different method. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we take a lot of the same material and and you can see that in the academic institutions as well, that they will take the material that is done in the classroom and basically do a different method to be able to introduce it to the students so that they can pull the information. And it's a lot of self-study. Mm-hmm. So that's really the, the background of what the students are required to do is that it's not just showing up to class and waiting for somebody to tell you something. You actually have to do the self-study. You have to do the work behind all of it because that's the aspect that you're not getting, but you're getting the same type of material. Mm-hmm. And and it was I I always like to check myself after I after I go ahead and say something to see if it actually turned out to be true. Um, am I correct that we're looking at about twice as many students as are in the resident program? 
So what we have is twice as many students learning at that particular time because what first year and second year overlap. There you go. We have approximately the same number of graduates during the summer. Uh, so so we have approximately 380 graduates every summer, mm-hmm. and it's only because we have twice as many students because first year and second year are, are going on at the same time. But that makes sense. So you, so the, the program is responsible for managing that many more students. Mm-hmm. Um, with the same number of graduates, is there, uh, how does the, because the, I can imagine the kinds of pressures that a, a student in the distance program will have if they're also doing a, uh, a day job as, a, as an active duty uh, military person or, or as a reservist. I mean, I can think of the, the various things that are going on. You know, one of the, the ongoing challenges with distance education is um, uh, student retention. Um, uh, what kind of statistics do we have on the DDE program's success in uh, student retention? So retention is a little bit more difficult for us because, again, it we we understand there are difficulties that happen sure. that are not expected. Uh, that's just the way that life is. And so we offer them two opportunities. So they are board selected, first of all, to be able to be in the program. And so we try to make sure that they understand that you're at that point in your career, that this is very important and the Army sees that you are able to continue to succeed. That's why we want you to come here and get this education. So what we try to make sure is that we support them in their efforts because it is hard sometimes with the two years to commit to that time frame. So we have two opportunities. One is just working with them in in the course itself, Mm -hmm. if they need to ask for extensions on papers, if they need writing support, we have the the writing support that they can get. Um, Just being able to work with them as they move through and try to help help build them up so they want to continue. The second piece, though, is we do understand that sometimes life takes a different turn. Uh, We have people that choose to retire in the middle of the course. Um, sometimes there's uh, medical issues or something changes with their family life. And so we offer two opportunities of what they can do at that point. They can drop out completely. That does risk the opportunity to be able to start the program again later. Right. So the other thing that we do, which has been very popular with our students, is that we allow them to defer to the next year. Mm-hmm. They still have their credit that they got for whatever they had completed up to that point, and then they just pick up the next year wherever they left off. And that's part of that opportunity to to say that we understand that things are not always going to work as we want them to within a two-year period, and so we want to work with you as much as we can. Sure. And so I, I can imagine with that that option. So you you have pretty good, uh, let's say, stability, right? The number of people who come in in a class, the number of people who graduate, right? There must not be a lot of people who choose to drop out completely over the course of those two years. It, it depends. Like I said, sometimes we, we do have people that, that decide that they're on a different life path at that point. And mm-hmm. so um, yeah. we do have quite a few still. Um, one of the, the more difficult pieces is just when something like deplo- deployments come up, right? We, we don't want people to think that because they're deployed, we have a lot of people that deploy and still complete the program. And, and we want to work with you. We understand sometimes the difficulty with getting online with bandwidth or mm-hmm. having computers, uh, it, but it, but it will happen. Mm-hmm. So 
we accept that, yes, if, if that's too difficult, we understand and you can drop out. And that's why we do tend to start with a little over 400 students each year. And that's why I said we typically tend to graduate anywhere in the high 300s. So each year it depends a little bit on kind of world events, <laughs> what's right. happening. Uh, we try to make it as easy as possible when it comes to people wanting to figure out what is the best decision for them. Is the makeup of a typical class in the distance education program uh, substantially different from the makeup of the resident program in terms of the, the balance between active duty and reservist or the balance between the services or the, the inclusion of, of civilians? We actually have quite a bit of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, the primary numbers of our students are the National Guard and Reserve. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so our quotas are, per, are fairly high to make sure that we hit those populations because they don't have as many opportunities to come to the resident course. Sure. We do have some active duty as well. And so uh, what we see more is some of the special branches is because special branches don't have as many opportunities to attend with their limited seats in the resident course. And so we have a lot more medical, a lot more JAG, um, chaplains, you know, it just depends on, on whether or not they get that opportunity to go to the resident course. The other main difference is We have very few international fellows, and part of that is because of the language barriers, but it's also because of the online aspect. Not everybody is in a country where their internet is reliable and that they can access our systems to be able to get the material. And so for a lot of our international fellows at the resident school, they see a lot of benefit being here in person, in the mix, and, and having that support network. And we have a lot of international fellows that they need to be able to be pulled in a little bit better. And right. so they tend not to want to, to do that from an online perspective. I could see that. Uh, you mentioned the, the, the challenges that come with being deployed. So um, it's, it's relatively rare for a student who's in the resident program to get orders to deploy. Um, is it, is it, uh, but, but being registered in the distance program does not, uh, insulate you against being deployed. That's a, that's both a question and a statement. I'm curious how that, how that works. Why can't a student say, you know, Hey man, you already, you've already allowed me for my senior service college PME. Um, you know, you can't, you can't send me away someplace or is there, there is no, there is no get out of deployment free card that comes with being in DDE. You make a good point because on the <laughs> resident side, they get a chance to come here and relax. Right. You know, they, they, that's, this is considered their reset time if they're in the resident program. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times they're coming out of command and getting ready or, and or getting ready to go into command. A lot of our students are in command while they're doing the program. So they have their normal day job. They have their guard or reserve job. A lot of them are battalion commanders at the time. And then they're doing the program on top of that. And so uh, we understand that it can be difficult. And and I will honestly say that a lot of people that do tend to drop are in that position where it is just too much piled up at the same time. It's not that they don't enjoy the, what they're doing in the program. It's not that they couldn't find the time, but a lot of our students have 
battalion command, it, it's more than just the two days out of the month. Sure. That's what I, I, I hear that. I hear that from reserve and guard uh, uh, students here too, right? Is that, that when they, when they do come in the resident program, it, there's almost a sense of relief that there's a, there's a clarity to their life assignments. But I mean, I guess this is what I find interesting is you say that there's a lot of the guard and reserve component in DDE. So these are people who to a certain extent are already, um, let's say experts in uh, balancing their military life and, and other assignments. Um, and so I, I imagine that might make it a little easier, but at the same time, it's also just telling them, hey, let's make it a little harder by having you do this other thing that requires you to be online um, many hours a night. We were talking before we started recording that um, I heard this when I started working here at the War College, that I heard a, a member of the faculty talk about how difficult it's, it's, there are complications with studying at Carlisle Barracks, but there are also complications with studying at Fort Living Room. Um, and how people um, manage that balance between their day job and the and the evening education. What sort of what sort of uh, study uh, or so ongoing or in the past uh, study has there been of uh, uh, the effectiveness of distance education and especially right how how well the War College in particular has managed uh, the the obvious challenges that students will face to try to complete the program. I think that's why we have these other aspects in place, such as deferment, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to understand that when when they do have challenges, they are able to have a way of making a modification to mm-hmm. what they're doing in their learning. Because we, we do know that online education can be very effective, and we constantly are looking at our methods to make sure that we're doing the methods that are most useful to make sure that we have not just the learning take place, but then the retention and the application mm-hmm. to what they're learning. Sure. And and we really focus on that. And that's really what the two weeks are when they come here in person, is to solidify what they were learning online, do a double check just to make sure that they really did comprehend the most important concepts, because a lot of those important concepts take them from first year into second year where they learn to start applying those concepts. And ideally, those are the types of jobs that they will be getting after they finish the War College. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to the question of what people do after they finish War College, because this is a, a question that all programs have to wrestle with. But who are the instructors in the distance education program? So we have approximately 60 instructors, and they are both full-time and part-time. So Mm -hmm. we have a combination of full-time military that are on staff here at the Army War College in Carlisle. We also have a couple of our Title X, so uh, primarily they have a PhD, but they don't have to. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are just more expert at a specific subject. And then we have our uh, contract workforce that we have brought in to also supplement. They are all retired military. They are uh, primarily retired out of the Army War College as instructors. So they have Mm -hmm. already been doing that while they were in uniform. And they have been doing, some of them have been doing it for several years. So they have deep knowledge in the subjects and are able to lend their experiences to the students just as well as our full-time military. And then we also have our part-time military. So we have our uh, individual mobilized augmentees that we have assigned here to the Army War College, and they 
are supporting the students online throughout the year in the seminar. And then they also come here for the two weeks during the summer along with the students. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, to go back then to the question of, of uh, what happens to them after they graduate. Um, so what, uh, what sort of, uh, of post-war college careers do we see from DDE graduates? And do they differ in any substantial amount from the post-graduate careers of uh, residential students? They differ slightly only because of what's available to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have both full-time reserve and part-time reserve. So we have the AGRs, uh, the Active Guard Reserve that's in the National Guard and the Army Reserve, as well as just the one weekend a month typical reserve and guard officers. They have a different set of jobs that are available to them, but they have a lot of the same opportunities as well. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people will be leaving here and they will be planning to take brigade command. They will be planning to be some sort of deputy commander and trying for that brigadier general level. They will also be going into staff positions, so a chief of staff of a unit, or sometimes they will be going to the Pentagon Mm -hmm. and doing the types of jobs at the Pentagon that we are essentially trying to get the students to think at that higher strategic level at. Sure. So now that we've now that we've had this good conversation, I want to ask you. I want to ask you the tough question, right? You've been you've been in charge of the DDE program now for. for a year, is that right? How long have you been? How long have you been director since uh, since last year? About a year and a half. So a April half, will right? be two years. Yep. And, and so you were a student, um, and now you now you've had a chance to sort of watch the the whole system run as uh, chair of the department. Um, what do you consider to be the the most important challenge uh, that 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 you want to tackle? Everybody, when they're in charge of something, has to see something they think they can do better. What do you? What is your? What is your? Uh, preferred challenge or the first one that you want to tackle? The, the first thing that I have looked at coming in was trying to figure out, do we teach them the right topics in the right order? Mm. And what can we do as better methods for teaching them? Uh, so what we've been looking at since I've been here has been a academic review, looking at every single lesson every single topic that we cover and what we do to assess the students. We did the first phase of that during my first year. And next year we will plan on taking the next step, which is then to look at those topics a little bit deeper and identify, are there different methods that we can use to get at the most important concepts? Mm -hmm. One of those happens to be a peer review opportunity for their essays that they work on. Mm -hmm. So if they have an essay that's due at the end of a course, a few weeks prior to that, we give them the opportunity to share an outline of their essay with their peers and their peers give them feedback on whether or not they think they're going in the right direction with their outline. And so that is something that we're experimenting with the last year we actually have seen a reduction in students failing their papers because of getting that feedback. Mm -hmm. And so that's just one example of the types of methods that we can use to try to increase the learning experience. Again, because they're not in class having conversations 
being able to comprehend the material in a different way. So if you're reading it, we need to understand, are you comprehending it? And sometimes that support from your stu- from your fellow students is really what's going to help that. Right. That's very good. So to um, ask close to the end a question that could have been asked at the beginning, but I wanted us to get through the, uh, this material first is, what do you what do you consider to be the uh, the biggest misconception people have about distance education, and what and and flip side of that is what's the most important thing you would want to tell somebody who asks you, uh, Colonel Smigowski, Director of Distance Education, um, what is distance education all about? I would say that a lot of people think you're not getting the same quality education. You're not, you're not getting as much of the information. You're not really having it stick because you're not having conversations. You're not bringing in real world events regularly. <clears throat> That's the piece that I think that we try to mimic that with our faculty instructors actually having online sessions. We can't make that mandatory. If we were to change our model, we could actually create mandatory online sessions that people are required to attend regularly. We know that that doesn't happen. We have students around the world in different time zones, different schedules, different bandwidth. We know that that's not doable for our student population. So we mimic it in such a way to say, we're going to have optional sessions. You're allowed to come, be part of the session, ask questions, do the additional learning, and then we record it so that those that can't be there still have that opportunity to learn from that. But the material is built in such a way that you can take it all in yourself, never interacting at all, and you can still learn from it, be assessed, and know that you have more knowledge on the other end. Mm -hmm. We just add all of these other interactions to try to help replicate that, knowing that our students need that. They, They desire more interaction. They desire more activity. And so we add more of that in there to try to make it as equitable as possible. Mm-hmm. Based on what you, you talk about, how the, the the mixture of different programs, there's only so there are different uh, delivery methods or different sessions because there's there's so many different things you can do. Um, is there anything that you experienced in your uh, civilian distance education that you think the uh, the uh, Army War College should consider adopting? that they that they don't adopt and the flip side of that is if you were giving advice to someone who was the director of a distance education program in the civilian world would you is there anything you would say well we do this at the army and you should consider doing that i think that's an interesting thought because we actually do learn from civilian institutions and and we do share our practices regularly Mm -hmm. if you had asked me that 20 years ago Absolutely, I would have a lot of answers. (laughs) We have grown so much in this online world with there are so many tools and there are a lot of common methods that I think a lot of people say, we're all sort of kind of doing the same thing. And we all have figured out that this is pretty much the way it should work. I do know that, uh, like I said, there are places that have regular class times that people meet virtually. That is one 
other option. Uh, but with our population, I don't think that that's necessary. And mm-hmm. that's why I would talk to a civilian institution and say, you know, here's the way that you could probably change that a little bit. So you don't necessarily have to have that as that way. Right. But I would say that overall, we have all shared, uh, there's there's a whole community out there where we share that information and we have those best practices. I think the biggest stumbling block is the technology itself. Yeah. So as long as you have the technology in place, I know that the Army War College has, has really expanded on that in the last couple of years with bringing in the Microsoft suite, having teams available and, and having all of these opportunities for people to, to collaborate virtually. That has been a big help for us that other institutions probably had it prior to when we got it. So I would say we have learned from that and we've been making those steps going forward. And that's what we try to make sure that our students are able to understand that the technology is there. So don't let the technology be a hindrance. It might be your bandwidth if you suddenly lose internet connection. But at the same time, you know, the tools are there and we are there to support you using those tools. So that's very good. And of course, here at A Better Peace, right, we partially because of COVID a couple of years ago, right, we've moved to largely uh, remote recording of these podcasts like this one right now using a technology that I have to admit, Heather, um, the two of us know uh, would have seemed like science fiction uh, when we were kids, right? The idea that we are speaking to each other on uh, live on a computer and we're hearing each other, seeing each other. It is uh, technology can take us a long way, but ultimately it's about bringing people together and bringing people into contact with ideas. And the distance education program offers another way for the War College to do that. We're just about out of time for this conversation, but I do look forward to, and uh, you know, you, I, I, uh, we, have you on the, uh, we have you on the hook for future conversations to talk about different aspects of DDE, and we look forward to those conversations too. But thanks so much for being with us today, uh, Colonel Heather Smigowski. Thank you very much. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Please send us your comments on this program and all of our programs. We're always interested in hearing from you. Please uh, subscribe to A Better Peace because you should subscribe to A Better Peace. And after you have subscribed to A Better Peace, please rate and review this podcast on your podcatcher of choice because that's how other people can find out about us so that we can continue to grow this community for conversations like this one. This conversation is over, but we look forward to welcoming you to the next one. And so until next time from the War Room, I'm Ron Granary. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.